This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their taproom in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week, we're talking with Partake Brewing. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Ted Fleming, the founder and CEO of Partake. We're going to talk about limes, dragons, and award-winning non-alcoholic craft beers. Ted, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to be here. Absolutely. You know, it sounds like we got all the bases covered there with what uh, Brian set us up for. Yeah, limes and dragons and non-alcoholic beers. great topics there. Very good, very good. Ted, again, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, We do enjoy our non-alcoholic beers. We've uh, talked about them a good bit. For some guys that are named the beer guys, so we talk a, a good bit about non-alcoholic, and but we've got something unique with you. You are based in Canada, correct? That's right. I'm in uh, Calgary, Alberta, where it's uh, already snowing. Wow. <laughs> we are, as mentioned, Marietta, Georgia, Atlanta suburbs. It was 84 degrees today at my house, so no snow. In case I needed to uh, to throw that out there, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some snow. Yeah, from a distance, from like a pictures distance. of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, we'll get Ted to send us some pictures. <laughs> Just that'll live be good, stream right? it to us. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, yes. yeah. but with that said, Ted, yeah, Canada, you're all over Canada and uh, been in the U.S. for a couple years, but you're expanding within the U.S. The non-alcoholic craft is really growing here, correct? Yeah, it's growing both in Canada and the U.S. It's perhaps the fastest growing category within beer. So pretty exciting times. Of course, it's a new category, so growing from a lower level. But, you know, if you take a look at a retailer like Total Wine, what was on the shelf a few years ago compared to today, it's a world of difference. And for people like me that have had to give up alcohol, love craft beer, it's a, it's a great time to be in the space. Absolutely. You know, I look back at some of your pictures, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did I see you sipping a Texas Select at one point? Do you recall that? Yeah, I do. I actually started in the non-alcoholic business in 2013, and I, okay. I started as an importer of non-alcoholic beers, largely from Europe, but I had a few U.S. brands, and Texas Select was one of those. If I'm not mistaken, Texas Select has been around quite a while as one of the first non-big beer brands. And you know this story, Brian. I'll do the abbreviated version, but I believe I was about 12 years old and went in a health food store with a friend. And they had Texas Select cans in there. And we tried to buy it. We thought maybe they wouldn't let us, but they let us. So we bought it. We walked down the street, popped the top, and shared it, me and my 12-year-old friend. And we get... A hundred yards down the road and a policeman pulls up behind us and flips these lights on and he quote unquote pulls us over the two 12 year olds walking down the street and we get a little interrogation there as to what we're doing walking down the street sharing a beer. And so we showed him what we had there, and he let us go with a warning. (laughs) We did not get arrested. I have no criminal record from 12 years old on we got away with that. But when I saw the Texas Select, I'm like, wow, I know that beer. I know that beer. Good memories. I'm curious, back in those days, back before Partake existed, what was your favorite? What was the best non-alcoholic out there on the market that was available? 
Yeah, I liked a lot of the beers that were coming out out of Europe, Germany in particular. Kronbacher was a favorite. Um, I liked Erdinger, the wheat beer. Germany was a few years ahead of where we are at yeah. in North America, but we're catching up fast. Brian, I don't remember who it was we were talking with, but they mentioned going to get their brewing degree in Germany, like in the 80s. And we're talking about, what do they call them, alcohol-free or something to, in Germany, yeah. but he was talking about you brewing the NA beers then, and I had no idea that the NA went back that far. Do you remember who that was that we were speaking with? I don't, but I remember that. I didn't up until that point realize that Germany had any interest in that and then that they were right. doing it. They were actually good at it. You know, like it was not even something that was a blip on my radar. I'm like, that's amazing that they've been doing it that even long. Even on Oktoberfest. Yeah. You yeah. get you one. So, Ted, in the U.S., how much of the U.S. do you cover now? We cover the entire U.S. from an e-commerce perspective. So you can buy us online, get it shipped to your house. From a retail perspective, we're in about 24 states right now and looking to fill in the remaining states in the next uh, year to year and a half. Okay, gotcha. You know, right now I should throw this out there. We're going to get into the beer list here in just a moment. But we're sipping the lime, yeah. which you said is probably comparable to like a light lager with some lime in it, right? Yes, Okay, tasty, very yeah, tasty, refreshing. clean, yeah. refreshing, a little bit of lime. Lime's not overdone. Sometimes lime and beers can just, you know, get a little too much, but this would be really great. Maybe some chips and salsa. Oh, yeah, it'd be perfect. Some nachos. That. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed there was like a, a a texture to the label. Is that so when you're, you know, doing some sort of athletic sports, it doesn't slip out of your hand so you can be running and drinking at the same time without losing a grip on the can is that what that's there for yeah it's really helpful for that but uh, yeah. it's more it's more around it being small batches for us and being able to label the cans uh ah. with that than uh for sports but that's a great application i'll uh there you, you can use that. Yeah, I'd you like can to see that. a whole soccer team. They're all running around kicking, and they ha all have cans in their hands. They're all drinking at the same. That'd be amazing. Try Partake Brewing in the new Sports Grip can. <laughs> sports see? Grip can. There you go. You're set, man. Good stuff. Well, Tim, I think it's time for us to get into the beers of the week. Now it's time for our beers of the week. Brought to you by The Nest. Craft beer and barbecue in downtown Kennesaw, Georgia. TheNestKennesaw.com. Brian, a great list of non-alcoholic beers to enjoy today. As mentioned, we are currently sipping the lime, a new release from Partake. We got a special one, Brian. We have a peach goza here, which is coming back, but we still have one that's been chilling In for a while. Hand. So we're going to see. We're going to check that out. We also have the full core lineup, which is their blonde, their pale, their IPA, a red, and a dark which is for the stout lovers out there, Brian. So we've got it all. And again, thank you to The Nest. Good friends over there doing good things. Barbecue, beer, wings, nachos. Grab you a partake. Get you some nachos to go from The Nest. Kick back and have a good time with a partake lime. So, yeah. Brian, why don't you tell us what's happening in the news? What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. Okay, so I found some interesting non-alcoholic beverage stats that just happened to be an article this week. Good timing. Low and no alcohol market in the U.S. is predicted to grow 23.5% annually through 2025, according to IWSR Drinks Market Analysis. Uh, you might assume that this was driven by health concerns over the pandemic, but the market was already growing at a good rate prior to the pandemic. And the growth is driven mostly by beer and RTD cocktail categories, the ready-to-drink stuff, with non-alcoholic beer actually being the key driver at about 90% of the total volume of this little market share. 
the male and female split for no and low alcoholic products is fairly even despite the uh, impressive growth. The no and low alcohol share of the whole market is still pretty small, as we were talking about earlier. Something like 25 million cases in 2020, which is not a lot compared to the entire market. There's still plenty of room for them to grow. And these numbers seem to indicate that consumers are typically not going exclusively non-alcoholic. They're instead mixing these beverages in with what they're already drinking. Kind of like I do, you know, you just... Sure. There's been a few times at lunch, you know, I'm working. I'm like, I want something that tastes like beer, but I'm not going to drink any alcohol right, right now. Or I'm drinking and I want to pace it. I'm going to mix in a non-alcoholic beer in there. So strategies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've done that here. We've sat enjoying a little bottle sharing at the studio. Maybe we need to pace it out a little bit and still want to have a drink. So they work out well for that. I see that we have uh, our friend Greg Tish, who has went oh, to yes. a non-alcoholic lifestyle. Indeed. And he enjoys that. Uh, we have a friend in... Texas, Seth. Shout out to Seth. Who That's is, right, Seth. He's just decided twenty dry twenty twenty one. Ted, no sober October. He's going all twenty twenty. That's right, twenty twenty one. Amazing. Now, he is already planning his beers for January, though. I will say yeah. that, but twenty twenty one is dry. And he's been taking a lot of our recommendations. Yes, he's a good buddy sure. of ours. So we see him what he's bringing back all the time based upon what we've been talking about. So, yeah, it's, it's great. Good stuff. So I've got a few more statistics according to the Brewers Association. U.S. brewery owners are ninety. 93.5% white and 75.6% male. These are probably stats that really won't surprise too many people, but the Brewers Association arrived at these numbers by randomly surveying 500 breweries, of which only 136 responded. I'm kind of curious what the numbers would have been had everybody responded, but that doesn't work that way in these surveys. The BA notes that beverage alcohol consumers are increasingly not male and not white, and also that uh, female drinkers under 25 actually outnumber male drinkers under 25 by a decent margin. So there's a lot of interesting things. These are things to keep in mind. If you want to continue doing healthy business, you have to realize your consumer base is changing. It is, right. Work to your market. Realize who's out there. Sure enough. You are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take us a break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Partake Brewing. Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. The best brewmasters are obsessed with creating a high-quality, consistent product. That means reducing mass viscosity for better wort separation and increasing brew house efficiency. UltraFlow Max from Novozymes helps you achieve both. It is time to brew with enzymes. Increase your brew house efficiency and achieve faster filtration today with UltraFlow Max from Novozymes. Order a free sample today at www.brewingwithenzymes.com slash beerguysradio. Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Remember, all episodes are available on demand, so if you miss the broadcast, get the podcast. Beer Guys Radio is available on all popular and unpopular podcasting apps. Now, let's get back to Partake Brewing. 
Ted Fleming, Partake Brewing founder there. Thank you again for joining us. And we want to hear, Ted, what brought you to the world of non-alcoholic beers? Sure. So for me, it was um, just a matter of fate in, in some ways. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease back in 2005 was just starting at that time to get into the craft beer movement. Uh, I was living in Toronto, Toronto, Canada at the time. Really exciting time to be involved in the craft beer space. So many breweries opening up, so many new flavors. It seemed like every week there was something new to try in town. And I was trying to live with this new diagnosis and also, you know, enjoy life. And it eventually came to a head in 2010. I was hospitalized and came to the realization that alcohol and me weren't going to have a long-term relationship and I had to move away from it. And um, it was difficult. I I struggled giving up alcohol because there weren't great alternatives on the beer side. And so many things we do socially, whether it was play, having a beer after sport, you know, family occasion, just getting together with your buddies, your friends, a lot of it revolved around having a drink. And when you're not drinking alcohol, it's it's hard. And so you know, I started trying to solve that problem in 2013 with my online store and importing product from Europe, which was further ahead. And then it so happened that I built a community really around people who were suffering from that same issue, the same stigma that, you know, non-drinkers suffered from. And they started seeing me as, as a leader in that space. And they they said, hey, Ted, can you get craft non-out beer? And I looked around, I asked various breweries to partner with me. Everyone said, no, it's not going to work. It's It's a dumb idea. So, you know, being the entrepreneur that I am, I just pursued it anyways. And, uh, you know, I got to thank my community that kind of pushed me in that direction. They supported me through a Kickstarter campaign where we launched our IPA. We had an incredibly successful campaign. We even had people who said, hey, I hate IPA, but I'm going to buy five cases because, you know, you're really actually doing something that's going to help me in the long term when you when you do a stout or when you do a red ale. So um, that's kind of the background story of how. I started and it's a very personal thing for me and I'm I'm very happy that I've solved solved the issue for me but also in so doing solved it for hundreds and thousands of other people. Absolutely. You were talking about kind of the growth in the community and everywhere you went with that. You also you pitched your product to Dragon's Den, correct? And for those that don't know, Dragon's Den is kind of the Canadian equivalent of um what's Shark a, Tank. of Shark yeah. Tank here in yeah. the States, right? Okay. And I imagine being on Dragon's Den that our setup here in that is very familiar to you, probably yeah. very similar to the Dragon's Den, correct? <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah, good, good. You're right. We do have that presence, just like those we guys do. on the shows. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. how how was that though? How was it? Did you get funded? Uh, we got a deal okay. on, gotcha. on TV. All right. Um, it didn't consummate at the end of the day, okay. the day but yeah. it was a great experience. I would highly recommend doing that for any aspiring entrepreneur. I think any opportunity to tell your story and, and talk about your business is, is something you should take advantage of. So, yeah, great experience. Definitely nerve wracking. I think the hardest part is I think I waited five or six hours in the green room sure. just waiting to, yeah. to take your turn. Like that's that's the hardest part, I think. Ooh, but uh, yeah. Great experience allows you to tell your story, and I think I have a great story to tell, so happy to right. do that. You know, and, the and best part of that story is he bicycled in the rain to the studio. You got <laughs> rained on, and you were soaking wet when you arrived. Okay. <laughs> for okay. your thing. Yeah. Maybe that's why they gave me six hours to dry off. There you go and set in the room <laughs> take a shower. We'll give you some towels. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. And, you know, I'd heard, again, you've got a platform like Dragon's Den, even if the deal doesn't close at the end, that's some pretty good marketing. 
there. So, and I didn't realize I've talked to a couple people that have been on like the shark tanks and I didn't realize that, you know, yeah. several of those deals do not finally close out, you know, at the end, you know, despite what we see on the edited version. True. What happens true. There. Yeah. And I know that it makes a big influence on uh, sales because I've gone out and bought some products sure. as a result of seeing them that they yeah. didn't get a deal. And in fact, in some cases they were told they were dumb. And I'm like, I like that product. I'm I've done that. I've it. Googled yeah. and found them yeah. and it's like, yeah. oh, I really think that's pretty cool. Good stuff. So back before the, your diagnosis, did you get as far into craft beer to be a, a home brewer? Was that kind of a setup for where you're at now? Or did, were you just a very big enthusiast? I was a heavy user enthusiast, but I wasn't a brewer at that time. And so it wasn't until I was starting to get into non-alc and more specifically had that request from my customers, can you get us craft non-alc and I couldn't source it. That's really when I got into trying to learn about brewing. You know, one of the smart things I did is, is I got a friend who actually knew a lot more than I did about brewing and brought him into the equation. I had to bribe him with, with some alcoholic beer. I'll admit. You have to do what you got to do. Right. <laughs> It was a good investment. There he buys go. it now for currency. He buys he buys you favors with alcohol. Do, he doesn't drink yeah. it, but he just uses it to yeah. buy favors. Yes. Now, Ted, for anyone else that may be listening, this may be an issue for them, may be curious. With the Crohn's disease, is it normal that you need to go no alcohol at all? Or was it just, is it something you have to kind of see how it works for the individual? Yeah, I, I think it's the latter. I, you know, for me, that was the case. I wouldn't say it's prescriptive for everyone with, with Crohn's disease. I think, you know, just in general moderation and just if you are going to enjoy alcohol and, and drink a great alcoholic craft beer you know as brian said it's easy to intermingle a great non-alcoholic beer sure. now like yeah. our, our product and quite a few other products out there are, are so much better than they used to be that you can do that and say hey i'm just all of these are great craft beer whether it's half a percent alcohol or whether it's seven percent on that note with the half percent or less than half percent do you personally see any issues if you have you know, several of your beers or several NA beers, is there enough to cumulatively cause an issue? No, I've never experienced that. I think for me, you know, and this is just self, sure. self-diagnosis and, right. and understanding what happens when I consume alcohol. I think it is the concentration that puts me in, in trouble. And, and the issue is when you have one, you kind of open the door to maybe, maybe I'll have another. And yeah. uh, it's a dangerous door to open for me. I open that door later. all the right. time. I don't like to close that door, but I do like to open Brian it. slings it open. Hello, Temptation. How you been? <laughs> How you been? Come Good to in. see you again. Good to see you again. What's it been? Three days? Yeah, it's been three hours. I don't remember. Whatever. Come on in. Do you still run the non-alcoholic importing business on the side, or did you get rid of that? Yeah, it, it still is up as a website just for informational purposes, but that was one of the unfortunate things is I had to make a choice that I either had to pursue our own craft beer, or I had to continue with that business. And I couldn't really do both. I just didn't have the the bandwidth. I didn't have the time to do both. So I chose to do the the craft non-op beer. And I think largely those customers supported me in that change. But I think uh, over time, we'll come back to some of those customers we had to make a tough choice on. Yeah. Now, the reason I asked that is I was thinking here just now, you had non-alcoholic spirits on there. I'm, I was wondering, have you ever done a non-alcoholic Boilermaker? And I'm curious if there's good combinations there. That's where my mind goes with this. I haven't, but uh, you've now put it on my list. So there you go. All right. Re- please report back. I want to yeah, know what, what know a good combination goes. is. Also, I need to try a non-alcoholic spirit. I've never done yeah, spirits. We'll have to. We'll have yeah. to take a look at that and, and definitely see what we can do there. So uh, personally, what are your favorite styles? Have your favorite styles changed from when you were an alcoholic craft beer drinker to non-alcoholic? 
Yeah, my styles have actually moderated. Like when I started in craft beer, it was all about the IPA, the hoppier, the better. And today, you know, 15 years later, I'm I'm definitely more towards the center of uh, lighter beers, gozas, the limes, the blondes, our pale ale, I think is fantastic. So I tend to be a bit more of a middle of the road drinker now than I was 15 years ago, but uh, still enjoy the occasional IPA and the, the stout uh, has a home, uh, certainly in the winter on those cold days. I, I enjoy that one too. Those snowy days like today. The, you know, it being cold makes me think shipping is going to be kind of dangerous with non-alcoholic beers. You don't have that alcohol in place to keep them from freezing over. a little buffer there. Exactly. So how do you handle the shipping with that? You know what? We should tease that. We're going to tease that. To and that. we're saying yes. we're teasing because we're out of time right exactly. now. <laughs> but we'll be back very soon. You are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Come back and join us for more from Partake Brewing. to the Battery in Atlanta, be sure to check out the Terrapin Atlanta Brewery and Taproom. Whether the Braves are playing at home or on the road, the Terrapin Brewery and Taproom is always pouring all of our locally brewed Georgia beers like Hop Executioner and High and Hazy, while also introducing small batch R&D beers created on our five-barrel pilot system right inside the Braves Stadium. And if you're looking for great food, we've got you covered with Fox Brothers Texas-style barbecue. Stop by and see us today at the Terrapin Brewery and Taproom at the Battery Atlanta. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram your revolution is over mr lobowski condolences the bums lost now back to the beer guys radio show Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates, WRKQ, 1250 AM in Madisonville, Tennessee. Catch Beer Guys Radio on WRKQ every Saturday at noon. Now let's get back to Partake Brewing. Ted, as we went to break there, Brian threw a teaser at us, and we were talking about those temperatures dropping up there in the northern states and into the Canadian provinces. And as you ship your product in the winter, is the lower temperatures an issue because of the lack of alcohol? Yeah, I'd say in Canada, it's an issue regardless of the alcohol content. It gets so cold up here oh, sometimes. Oh, sure. Okay, right. Yeah, I, cu- I cut my teeth on the uh, non-alc uh, e-commerce business back in 2013. My first winter, that was a tough learning experience. Oh, we I lost, bet. Yeah. We lost a lot of shipments to cold weather. So we've tried to mitigate that by getting our e-commerce warehouses closer to consumers spends less time out there, try to get uh, signature required so it doesn't, you know, stay on sure. someone's port 
right. porch for, for two days. So, you know, we've, we've learned some lessons the hard way around that, but uh, we're much better at it these days at getting the product to people in a condition that they want. So yeah. there's not really any technology out there for keeping things warm on the ship. I've gotten stuff. There's heat packs. Fro- I mean, I've gotten stuff that's kept frozen. It sure. actually was still frozen when it arrived, which is really impressive. But uh, heat packs, I guess, technically, I I've never think, seen that before, though. Well, I mean, I guess if you insulate it. Uh, Ted, you may, have you ever looked into that? I won't run my mouth not knowing what I'm talking about here. Well, I will. Yeah, we, we think it was uh, maybe a little cost prohibitive. That's and, what I. You, know, okay. you could always get yeah. a battery pack and put it on your box and keep it heated, but it no, <laughs> seems yeah. extreme. Yeah, and then you also go into the fact you don't want warm beer. You don't want to have it too hot, so you've got to get it in that. Oh yeah, like keep it right in that. Man, when they invent cellar temp shipping technology, the beer world's going to go crazy. Yeah. Keep it right at 55 degrees. There's a little no air matter. conditioning unit on the outside yeah, of the box. Yeah, a little tiny compressor on the side of a cardboard box. <laughs> uh, it's a heat pump. Go. It's a heat pump. That's it does it, both. Man. It'll we'll keep it cold, it cold in the summer Absolutely. and warm in the winter. That's it. Ted, the process for non-alcoholic beer, I know that uh, with some brewers, it's pretty guarded right now because there are a few different methods in that. But can you share kind of, you know, how you do it? Are you able to tell us a little bit about your process to do non-alcoholic beers? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, at a high level where I call it a bit of a Frankenstein process. You know, when we were looking at creating a method, the two prevailing methods in the market at that point were dealkalization. You brew a 5% beer, you separate the alcohol, and then, you, you know, what's left over is your non-alc beer. That separation can happen either with a temperature separation or I think more recently guys are getting into microfiltration, which is a little gentler on the beer and the beer tends to taste a little better with the new separation technology. On the other end of the spectrum, there's what's called arrested fermentation. And I think a lot of the brewers in Europe are using that method where they have a lot of process control in their brewery. They pitch yeast to start to ferment the product, but then they cool down the yeast to a point where the the yeast doesn't metabolize the sugars into alcohol. They filter out the yeast and then they're left with a a non-alc beer that tends to be higher in sugar, a little bit sweeter. So we try to break down both those methods and try to pick what we thought were the best ways to do it from either process and sort of reassembled them into what we use as a process today. Tell you what, that fermentation method sounds like you got to keep your eye on that one, right? Know exactly when to get it there because homebrewing beer, you just wait till your yeast goes, you until know, it stops, till your yeah. terminal, until yeah, it just quits exactly. fermenting there. So I had heard that there were yeast varieties out there that actually did not produce alcohol or produced very minimal amounts. Is that a thing yet, or was that just a rumor? Because I think I heard that some big brewers were using something like that, where it wasn't even Heineken. Yeah, was that Heineken? Where they had they may have had a special variety of yeast that really just didn't produce much or any alcohol at all, but got you got ate the sugars, ate the sugars, gave you the carbonation, ate the sugars, but didn't give you the anything like that out there that's available to you at your level. Yeah, I think there is. Like, there's lots of experimentation going out there on out there. You know, we haven't used that method ourselves, so I I can't speak to its efficacy. But uh, I think there's room for new innovation and in brewing around non-alp and brewing in general so as a consumer first i'm pretty excited to see some of these new iterations and new innovations come out and everyone that kind of adds to non-alp being a much more exciting category and much more variety and acceptance for people like me and and people who are just choosing to to moderate a little bit with their their drinking i think it's a it's a great thing for for the category you know, I keep saying things like like craft in a being kind of in its infancy. 
But as Americans are wont to do, I forget Europe's been doing this for a long, long for a, time. For so, a while, yeah. So are there things that the Germans and other Europeans are doing that need to come over to the way we're doing things here in America or Canada? Yeah, I, I think for them, like you guys were talking about it, it's like the social context of drinking in Europe is much more about just getting together and spending time with each other and that personal time. In North America, I think we've been fed ads for a long time that said, okay, if you're not drinking alcohol or large amounts of alcohol, you're not going to be fun, you're not going to be cool, you're not going to be accepted. And I think there's a decoupling of that. There's a pushback, particularly with younger Gen Z millennial consumers, they're pushing back on some of that messaging and saying, hey, we're going to chart our own path. There's room in our lives for alcohol, but there's also room for for non-alcohol. And I don't think we're going to be defined by how we drink and what we drink. And there's not so much like when I was younger, my younger partying days, if you didn't drink, you were yeah, mocked, you were ridiculed. Oh, man, come on, you know, come on, don't be lame. On. Like you said, that's People are not letting themselves get into that. And I think on the other side of that, people aren't, you know, they're not giving them grief for it either. So. Yeah, I think people are more accepting of the fact that somebody might not be drinking because, well, people are now aware that alcoholism is a problem with a lot sure. of people. And it's a good thing that those people are not drinking. You do not want to egg them back into it. You want them to uh, be good because they could be ruinous to them and to you if they're bad. So Right. More yeah. positive attitude. Exactly. More accepting always of a people good having thing. issues. Yes, correct. Yes. Now, Ted, good timing on getting you on here for the interview. We are smack in the middle of October, which, of course, as we mentioned earlier, is mid-80s in Georgia and snow in Canada. So good time of the year. But what both countries celebrate is we're in the middle of sober October, right? Exactly. Now, you guys already took dry January from us drinkers. You got sober October. Are you going to take over all the months? Is it just going to slow? Are we going to have seasonal creep here? No. Would you suggest, Brian, no yes. alcohol November? Yeah, no no alcohol November. And uh, oh, it's, it's a mofo. Don't drink no, December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Don't drink December. Yes, yes. It, it seems like seasonal sobriety creep is what, we, what is. we're running into. It's creeping from January all the way into October already. Tim. We'll get there. Yeah. But with Sober October, Ted, what is uh, is that like an awareness campaign type of thing? Yeah, I don't know what the history of that is, but it's just become pervasive in society. People are just getting behind. Hey, this is in October. It's a way to kind of get yourself on good footing going into the holiday season. I think that's how a lot of people look at it and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to be starting November, December holiday season from a, a healthier good spot. Point. Good point. I know those months are, uh, you know, there's a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, a lot of getting together, a lot of eating. So I, I think people view it that way. But it's, you know, I think those month uh, themes are a way for people to kind of get behind it. It's also a way for them to communicate it to other people that are, are skeptical of, of that type of thing. And and it uh, allows people to drop their friends and family in and say, hey, why don't you participate with me? These things are better as a group. And it's a way for people to discover, hey, what what other options are out there and you know, can I can I just take a healthier stance on a on a full year basis? And this is a way to kind of experiment in a, a maybe a bit more fun and collaborative way. You know, I hadn't even thought to you mention it that dry January and sober October form a holiday sandwich with November and December. They do. Let's behave before and after because we know what's coming in the middle here. And it's right after the end of uh, Oktoberfest where people right. are drinking liters of stuff, which makes me think because that tends to, Oktoberfest tends to creep into October, Creeps even though it's bit. mostly over. So half sober October, let's, let's compromise here. <laughs> if you make it a couple days and you go, if you go 28 days, then 
you can count that as a success, right, Ted? I'd say it's a success. Yeah, there you go. A, that, Absolutely. That's at least one month of the year. Like 25 working days. Let's go working days and make it 25. Quit pushing your <laughs> luck, Brian. Quit pushing your luck. You are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Partake Brewing. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Football season is here, and holiday parties are right around the corner. The Nest Kennesaw has you covered for both. Their new covered patio is perfect for cheering on your team while enjoying some great craft beer and keeping a safe social distance. When you're ready to schedule your next party, the Nest can handle big and small requests on-site or off-site at their event venue. Whether you're planning a weekend with a few friends or a party for 100, visit thenestkennesaw.com and make your plans today. on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Partake Brewing. Partake Brewing. Ted, we found out some interesting info as we were at break there. You mentioned that your Pell is only 10 calories. Is that right? That's right. 10 calories for the whole can. For 12 ounces of non-alcoholic craft beer, 10 calories. Yeah. You can't get that in a regular beer. I'm used to seeing those numbers on things like seltzer, honestly. Sure. Uh, uh, sure. That's a little surprising. I was unaware that they were so, so low like that. We've just opened the dark, which is, I'm assuming this isn't called a stout. I think we've asked this before. There's some rules there. Is that right? Yeah, stout and ale and a few other terms are kind of uh, no-go zones for uh, for non-alc right now. Okay, so we have a pale rather than a pale. But IPA, you can go that because you didn't you don't have the the ale part on there, right? That's right. If we okay. spelled it out, we'd be, we'd be in trouble. Well, there, trouble. And there are no system. There are no dots in there, so you can say, oh no, no, it's not IPA. It's IPA. It's IPA. Yeah, it's, it's, IPA. A, it's a new style. It's a IPA. Yeah, big in Canada. Yeah, so named, named after my aunt. My Aunt Ippa. Yeah, Aunt Ippa, exactly. right. But the dark uh, for stout lovers. Yes. Dark, rich, roasting moths, got all that stuff in there. And that kind of ties me into another thing. A lot of people drinking this, not just, you know, the alcohol, but these are lower calorie. And there's people that are paying a lot more attention to that type of thing and what they eat and drink. Brian's trimming down. He's getting... Yeah, yeah. He's I have, getting I actually sl- have lost slimmer pounds, and sexier yeah. there. So Brian is cognizant of that and other people as well. So that's actually a big driver for this category. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're seeing that just in alcoholic beer too, right? You're having so many craft breweries come out with 100 calorie, sub 100 calorie beers, and that's the growth area for them. And, you know, we're clearly quite a bit lower than that at 10 calories. 
And yeah, health and wellness is, is definitely driving a lot of new people to our category. With that said, have you ever considered making a, a non-alcoholic beer that is not like low calorie? Like we were talking earlier about the pastry stouts, like a non-alcoholic kind of pastry stout, like, you know, a milk stout or something like that, that is going to have to have more calories, you know, a little higher out, a little more body, that sort of thing. Do you get requests for things like that? Or are your customers mostly like, hey, we're athletes, we want to keep the calories down and just rock and roll? Yeah, I think in some ways we've defined ourselves as like the low calorie non-alc beer or the lowest calorie beer out there. So it's hard for us to extend beyond that from a core products point of view, from a special release point of view. I think we have a little bit more latitude to do that. And we've seen some some higher calorie products, a Rattler, for instance, something we, we launched this past summer was, was higher in calories because we use cold pressed juice to, to make that Rattler. So I think from a core audience perspective, we really want to stick to our knitting and be be known for being ultra low in calorie and we have a little bit of latitude to to go outside of that with the uh with the special releases that we do i have an idea for you it could be cheat day dark and let them know right up front cheat on the can dark, yeah this is your cheat day drink you know it's not it doesn't have alcohol in it but it has like 800 calories it's, it, it it's all, straight up maple syrup right in all fairness ted you can stuff plenty of marshmallows and chocolate and oh, maple yeah. syrup and that in a non-alcoholic beer and still be non-alcoholic and we did have a peanut butter uh, stout or peanut butter dark we did. ale it was, it was marvelous it, it was, was really marvelous yeah. it, it was definitely non-alcoholic right yeah non-alcoholic and it was definitely i don't do not believe it was low calorie <laughs> i doubt it i didn't look but i would say you're probably right from the taste of it you're probably i right. want another yeah. one of those and i've looked for it and i can't find it yeah. it's a special See? release i'm hoping it comes back you're out of luck you're out of luck well ted we sampled your lime which one is one of your special releases we totally skipped over the peach goes a sample and that went right to the dark here but what else is happening at partake what can your fans look for in the future here yeah our first batch of ipa ever was it was a disaster it came out way too hoppy way too hazy and uh you know i i had to fess up to my early backers i said hey this isn't the product i was expecting for you we got through that uh, period of time and a lot of customers have come back to me and said, Hey, can you bring that product back? We called it hoppy accident. Okay. Um, All right. And so we're going to bring back something that's, that's more akin to that first batch that we ever brewed that wasn't exactly to spec, but uh, definitely created some fans in the process. So that's on the, the radar for us in the next few months. So it came out and you thought it was a train wreck. Am I exaggerating there, but the fans liked it? Yeah, it, like I said, I I'd, personally, I'd migrated a little bit away from the right, hoppier okay. gotcha. types of yep. IPAs, and, and I had this bright, it was still very fragrant, very much an IPA, but it was bright and clear. And so when I got the first product back from the brewery, I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't the spec. And so I needed to fess up with my customers and say, hey, look, this wasn't what I was intending to give you, so I'm not going to push it on you and say it is. And so I think that was a, a really important learning for me is that, you know, just being transparent and truthful with your community, they're going to pay that back in spades for you. So, you know, that was an, an important lesson for us. And I think it gives us this fun thing to revisit and go back to and, right. and uh, touch base with those early backers in a special way. And that's why you take good notes on your brewing because- oh, yeah. Ted's like it didn't come out the way we wanted to, but we know how to we know how to mess it up again. Exactly. So we, we'll, we know what we'll we did wrong. We can do there, it right? again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know something we've talked about is there's a blending of uh, other substances into non-alcoholic beers that we've seen because you can do that with a non-alcoholic beer. Am I correct? Is cannabis legal 
nationwide in Canada now? Yeah, cannabis is pretty. Uh, That's what I thought. Pretty widely available in yeah, Canada. Yeah, because Afria or uh, was it Afria? I think it's Afria that bought Sweetwater. Yeah, they're so, Canadian. Yeah. Is there any crossover episodes planned, Ted? Yeah, we get that question asked a fair amount, uh-huh. and we definitely have interest from companies in the cannabis space. So right now, we want to stick to our lane and say, hey, look, there's lots of opportunity for non-alc. That's kind of why we exist is for the non-alc consumer. And so we're right. we're pretty focused on staying within that. There's lots of opportunity for us, lots of growth. Not to say that we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, look at that with the right partnership, but uh, our focus is really around the health and wellness aspect of our product. And I think we've got a lot of great opportunity in front of us and a lot of innovation in front of us, strictly a non-alc beverage. Does it add a lot of regulation? I know that when we were talking to uh, Keith Mutasiria, how difficult it was. He could only sell his product in dispensaries and his non-alcoholic could get out. It was easier to get that out because there were a lot less, you know, hoops to jump through. Is it similar up in Canada? Like if you were to get in that space, it would be so much more difficult to make your product available to consumers. Yeah, the, the path to market is much more regulated. There's fewer stores. Branding is a challenge. You're not allowed to brand it in the same way. So, you know, we'd probably lose some of our, you know, some of what we created over the last few years, which is a, a very recognizable and, and trusted brand. Interesting I can stuff, that. man. Yeah. The regulations there. I don't want to turn the end of the show into the cannabis show, but <laughs> do you have to use dispensaries in that in Canada like they do here in the States? Yeah, it's a very tightly controlled the retail okay. environment. And so, yeah, our, our ability to get product to consumers would be highly restricted to that. Even to that with channel. like a CBD, if it weren't THC, just because that's there's a fair amount of health and wellness around the, the concept of CBD versus, you know, the THC. Yeah, those two tend to be aligned from a regulatory point of view in okay. Canada. So, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, I don't think we'd benefit a lot from just being CBD from that perspective. Interesting okay. stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. And Ted, as we're wrapping up here, we do not want to miss out letting people know these are award-winning beers. Most recently this year at the World Beer Awards, uh, Blonde and Peltic Silver, your IPA took bronze, correct? Yeah, we won the gold medal in 2018 for the Pale, which was pretty amazing. So Good stuff, good stuff. How did you do at GABF this year? We weren't at GABF. You do? Um, okay, all right. But that's one we need to get to. All right, next year, right? The a, year, Is it because it it's the A parts of the Great American? It's not the Great Canadian Beer Festival. Well, I, I mean, th- he is I here. I feel though. like we had. Uh, do Canadian breweries, do they get involved with that? Not that I'm aware of. No. Okay, it's all American yeah, beer, huh? Well, I mean, well, I'm not surprised. They does say Great American Beer Festival in there. Not okay. that not that they'd be excluded. We don't check passports at the door well, of those, I don't think. We need to find the GCBF. Yeah, all right. Yeah, the Great it. Canadian Brew Festival. Good I'm sure stuff. there is one. Well, Ted, if we people were in the country at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's blocked out. That's a good point. It was. Ted, uh, if people want to keep up with what's going on at Partake Brewing, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can follow us uh, on social. It's Partake Brewing on Instagram, website, drinkpartake.com. And you can get me personally on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with uh, all beer lovers out there. Fantastic. Ted, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. And that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week as we talk to Covert Artisan Ales. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. And don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.